Hey friends, this is Holly Bame Lytle, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's panel of exceptional autism parents. Hey, thanks for joining us for Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. I have an app, the largest record um, recording here. I have, let's see, I have um, two, well, actually technically three couples and let's see, one, two, three, four um, additional parents. So this is my, oh, I forgot Jerry Lynn because she's just walking in from out in the hallway. So we have a huge um, parent group today, which I think will be great because today's podcast topic is family activities. And first, we're going to start off with talking about challenges that we have experienced as parents with special needs kids in doing family activities and some of the challenges that we have experienced, um, just because I think it helps validate probably some of those people that are listening um, at home, just so that you know you are not alone. When If you have had a challenge on a family activity that did not go as expected, you are not alone. So you're going to hopefully feel better listening to some of the stories that we're going to have some of the families share with you. And then um, at the, the second half of this podcast is going to be talking about things that we have found do work um, in terms of family activities where we can all go and everybody has a good time. So uh, we're not saying it's all going to be successful for you, but there, it's hopefully going to give you some ideas of things that you might try with some success. So with that being said, who would like to start first with maybe sharing something that didn't go as expected for your family outing? So I'm Chevy, and um, I actually have three kiddos. So the age is ranging from 11, 8, and our youngest, the one with autism, is four and a half, almost five. So I would say last year was our first year with a diagnosis, and um, we were trying to find some summer activities. Um, my son's bike had broken, and my oldest's bike had he's kind of outgrown it. So we saw a bike swap event. So we were like, perfect. We're going to go to this bike swap event, go see the bikes, They'll pick one out. It'll be really fun. It'll be a, a fun little family activity. So we got ready. We went, um, I think it was at the Spokane County Fairgrounds, if I'm correct, uh, last year. Um, and it's basically just a huge kind of warehouse filled with bikes. Um, of course, there's signs everywhere that says, please not do not get on the bikes. Please do not ride the bikes. Please do not touch the bikes. Um, which you have a child who just wants to climb on every single bike. Um, so we kind of had that challenge with her, and within about 10 minutes, we were dealing with a screaming, tantruming meltdown because she wanted to be on the pink princess bike, which she was not supposed to get on. Um, so we were dealing with that, trying to just kind of manage that, and I had actually kind of my first public statement from a stranger this older lady was pretty much like oh my gosh someone get that kid and deal with them and she was just like staring at us um and just made kind of that rude comment i left uh took her out to the parking lot and had my first kind of cry because <laughs> i it just hurt kind of my heart just the fact that like i kind of in my head had this idea of like this is gonna be a really fun family day and we just had this big kind of situation within, I mean, 10 minutes of arriving. So to me, that was like, okay, complete failure. 
And we hung out in the car until my husband selected a bike for my boys. And then we went home. And of course, I explained to my husband what happened when he came in the car. And he's like, well, you should have told me she said that because I would have went up to her and said something. And of course, in my head, I'm like, I don't know if I would have wanted that to happen because I was just such a new diagnosed parent that I was like, I let's just stay home. Like, if we want to go do something, let's just, I'll stay home. You take the boys, go do it. I would way rather do that than have to do this, um, repeat this situation ever again. So not a very fun experience <laughs> for me with that situation. That's, that's about it for me. Anything else? I'm David, and my oldest daughter, Morgan, has autism. She's now 11. Um, Disneyland. So you spend all these resources and all this time to get down there and uh we walk into the park and she's usually very timid and uh we're walking along and she's like i want to go on that and i'm pointing gesture and it was the matterhorn and i'm like um are you sure and the thing is growing up in california every time i'd been at disneyland the matterhorn had been broken down. So I had no idea what I was getting into. But I said, you know, I want to encourage her to really kind of stretch herself and to try to be a little bit more daring. Um, so what we encounter is long periods of darkness with flashing lights and abominable snowman jumping out and loud. And she is hysterical by the end of this. And I'm just like, yep, father of the year. And so um, we get off the ride. She's melting down. My youngest has a really bad experience with her first ride. Ten minutes into our Disneyland experience, we're going back to the hotel room. And I just get in there. I'm like, oh, my God, we got like four more days here. <laughs> we spent all these resources, and we're not going to take advantage of the park. What we did do, though, is um, we just decided to go to the pool. We rallied. And we played there. And then we kind of got our wits about us again. We went back to the park. And then it was some nighttime activities. And they had some really cool things going on. And uh, if you've never been there with a special needs child, they also make accommodations for them. Um, essentially, you can get a fast pass for any ride they want to go on. Thought occurred to me at that point, I should rent her out to families. But the thing is, she, um, <laughs> you are limited to the rides they want to go on. What I, so I guess my guidance in that particular scenario is just be prepared that you're going to spend your time pretty much don't have any expectations of anything other than specifically what they want to do. And she, since she's so timid, I mean, it, we were pretty limited. Like, soaring over California was probably the most daring she wanted to get. And so at the end of the trip, uh, people were like, oh, did you go on this? Did you go on this? I'm like, no, we didn't go anywhere near it. Probably didn't even know it existed. We limited ourselves to probably four different spots. So if you're going to make that type of investment to do something like that with a special needs child, understand, you know, the limitations involved. But it also was a really good learning experience. Michelle. Um, I have four kiddos. One of them is 12, almost 13, and he's my autistic one. Um, I would say probably one of our family activities that sticks out in my mind is um, our first couple times to Silverwood. We've never even encountered the Disneyland, even not even remotely considered it, because he goes missing every year at Silverwood. Always in the Lazy River. And and if you're not in a swimsuit, you're really stuck. Like, there's no getting in the water and searching, and so I, you know, First time it happened, I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, 
okay, I'm looking around, looking around. I'm like, I'm waiting for, you know, the pattern of people to go around. And I'm like, I'm starting to recognize people. And I'm like, okay, first loop around. I'm not seeing him. So I get on the rocks and I'm looking over the water and all of a sudden I get stopped by a lifeguard. And if you know anything about Silverwood, their lifeguards are about 13, 14 year old kids that are stopping you. And, you know, his little high pitched voices, uh, ma'am, you can't be on the rocks. And I'm like, no, no, my son's gone missing. Like, it'll just take me a second. I'll find him. Well, do you remember what he looks like? And I'm, I'm trying to have some grace in myself to look at him and be like, no, it's been so long. I've completely forgotten. Can you help me? I'm like, yes, yes, I know what he looks like. Well, do you know what color his shorts are? Yes, he's got red shorts on. I'm like, 90% sure they're red shorts at this point because I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even know what shorts he grabbed this morning. I'm like, I don't know. He just put shorts in there. So it took us probably about 15 minutes to finally track him down because for him it was just a big, huge game to go missing and hide and seek in the lazy river. But I will never forget the lifeguard stopping me as I finally find my son and get him out of the water. And he's like, oh, ma'am, I think that's the wrong kid. He doesn't have the right color shorts on. I'm like, no, no, we're fine. <laughs> I'm just going to take this child home. It's fine. Go back to your job. Yeah. Like, you can't even drive at this point. Are you the one to tell me I'm not taking this kid home? I'm like, it's, it's fine. We'll be good. So now we just have better things in place so that we don't go missing every year at Silverwood. But I can definitely tell you that as a, an interesting memory that always sticks out in my mind. I'm Bonnie. Um, I have two autistic kids, 10 and 7. We have six kids total, so um, outings in general are just crazy anyways. Uh, Two that I remember the most was um, when I actually, at the time, only had three kids, and I went to the park. Um, just my son loves to swing, and so I went to the park with him. Uh, so my two autistic kids and my older daughter. At the time, uh, she was probably about, like, nine, and the boys were both elopers, but I thought, okay, I can handle this. One of them really doesn't do physical activity, so he can't run that fast anyway, so we'll be good. So anyways, my biggest fear happened. They both took off running in different directions. <laughs> and I, oh, crap. So I looked at my daughter. I said, Lily, I need you to go get Evan. He's the slower one. I need you to tackle him to the ground. And she's like, and I'm not going to get in trouble for this. I'm like, in no way are you going to get in trouble. Just tackle him. She's like, okay. So she thinks this is amazing and awesome. <laughs> And she really kind of wasn't even trying to get him to stop. She just wanted to tackle him. So she got him to the ground. I took off the other direction and got my other son, came home and said, uh, Jason, you are getting us a playground in our backyard, and I'm never going on an outing again by myself. So needless to say, I don't do those by myself anymore. And then one time we went to the fair, um, same type of scenario. We had everybody, and uh, just too much sensory-wise, for the boys, um, we were going past those little booths that people always want you to buy stuff. And my son's screaming. We're trying to get him off into the corner, um, calm him down. And basically, people were thinking we were beating our children. And so the next thing I know, uh, there's like two police officers around us. And I was like, oh, God, CPS is going to be called. I don't even know what's happening. I'm trying to explain. They're just having a sensory meltdown. They're like, they don't even know what that is. Um, they just wanted to see the children and speak to each of them and wonder. <laughs> Anyways, by the time we're walking out and leaving the fair, I everybody's staring at us. And I had at that point, because we had lots of bad outings, made like an 8 by 10 sign that said, please don't stare at my family. Our kids have autism. And so I'm just like holding it up as we're leaving, you know, crying on the way home. And I'm just like, is this how our life is? 
But I will say um, it does always get better. Uh, you know, we went five years where we didn't go anywhere. And now, you know, we go on outings and it is hard still. There's things that trigger them. But, um, you know, you get you get a thicker skin yourself as a parent. Things don't bother you as much. And your kids just slowly get better and learn how to uh, be in environments that, you know, maybe the year before they couldn't be in. So um, if you are a parent and you just think it's never going to happen, I promise you, like, it does get better. And so, um, anyways, those are a couple stories I thought of. Well, and I even think of actually years ago when I was having, when I was working with some other families who had kids that were very severe. I mean, like severe in the sense that they would rip apart like sheetrock and electrical out of the walls and would eat insulation. And so really severe behaviors. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where family outings were just never possible. And I just remember her saying, like, it's just never going to be a possibility for us because literally, um, they would take turns sleeping even because he had to be, because he didn't sleep all, but maybe like every couple of days he would sleep a few hours. Um, and so, you know, it was just, and then of course when he did finally fall asleep, you just, it's like when a baby sleeps, let him sleep. Same thing with, um, you know, in this situation, it doesn't matter if he's 11 years old and it's time to go to school, we don't give a crap. Um, so, but it ended up getting better even for them, you know, and um, so I know for that particular family, they ended up doing a lot of family hiking. So very low stimulation. Um, I know, John, you're sitting here with us today, too. And one of his jokes that he always says is that he would have been fantastic for the Lewis and Clark expedition. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because it segues really into that was what they found as a fantastic family activity for them is just getting out and walking. Um, but talk about some of the things that you've done with your kiddo. So I'm John, uh, my boy Cooper now is 16. Um, we thought it'd be a great idea, it was actually my dad's idea, to take everybody down to Hayburn State Park and ride the trail of the Coeur d'Alene's. And uh, Cooper's very, actually very adept at riding bicycles. The problem is, is that his attention isn't necessarily right on in front of him, right? So we're riding across the, the narrow trail, across the lake and headed toward Harrison. You know, it's about, I think, probably eight or nine miles to Harrison one way. And we're gonna go and eat lunch and come back. And, Cooper's doing his own thing, and I'm trying to kind of keep track of him. And people coming the other way, you know, he's looking all over the place, and he's not staying in his lane, of course, right? He's all over the whole thing. And uh, for him, it was no problem. I mean, he'd dart out of the way at the last second. Well, the people that ran off the trail, not so much. They weren't big fans of that whole <laughs> that whole activity. But, you know, uh, to his credit, he didn't hit anybody. I mean, he'd veer out of the way at the last second. But, you know, I think that they were uh, uh, a little taken aback. There were some comments made, and my dad was quick to jump and say, hey, you know, he's got autism and, you know, this is, you know, he's not trying to be mean and trying to run you off the trail. It's just kind of his, his you know, his jam. So it was interesting because, uh, you know, we do a lot of things outdoors. And and I made a joke earlier when we were talking and I, I thought that, you know, hiking in the wilderness is a great thing because when the meltdown happens, no one can hear it except you, right? So <laughs> that's kind of a, another option, I suppose, a person could have. But, uh, you know, we've done the the, the uh, Orlando thing with, with Cooper. Uh, Thought he was going to be a problem. He was great. The issue was that uh, when he was potty trained, he was could pee anywhere outside, and he found that Pirates of the Caribbean was a good place <laughs> to take a leak in front of 150 people, which was you know an interesting uh, thing. But everybody had, was a good sport about it, so it was you know it was funny. But uh, uh, recently we went to Silverwood, and, and you guys, uh, the, the one slide that you have to carry the blue thing down. He would not do it. He wanted to slide down without it. So we walked all the way to the top. We 
he protested, protested, protested. I said, you either ride the thing or we're leaving. So he wouldn't do it. So we walked all the way back down. So sometimes, you know, people are looking at you and, and he's, you know, not protesting all the way down and not really a meltdown, but he wasn't very happy about it. So, you know, we uh, kind of move on from that. And I think people are getting better about understanding at times, but Cooper's not, that meltdown's a different situation. His protesting, he doesn't use four-letter words as much as he used to. I don't either, so that probably helps that situation. But I think that uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I have to apologize all the time for him. You know, so I see typical kids that respond worse than he does. So I'm like, yeah, it's all right. other horror stories about bad family activities. I love the one where, you know, like we actually lose one of them because, um, you know, like you think you do everything like public parks where, you know, like we're like have three. Uh, so when Isaac was little, so Isaac and Tyler just 11 months apart, we would be on the playground. And so we would make big brother, uh, who was their half, who's their half brother stand at one point, And then my ex-husband would stand at another point, And then I would, so we had it triangulated so that, that that way we could have everything, you know, in total view. And I'll be darned if Isaac still managed to um, get away. And so then it was one of those things, well, okay, well, well, shit, there went that <laughs> option as a, and as a, you know, choice for us to be able to do something. And the other thing too, is it's not really that much fun for the three of us because while be it, Isaac and Tyler had a fantastic time. We were too far away from each other to even have a conversation. So you're just doing like, you know, like gesturing, like, you know, hey, like, you know, where, you know, so it really wasn't that much fun. But now with that being said, because I got a bajillion different stories of fantastic things that went terribly wrong. Um, but my question is, is what have you guys found that you can do as a family that is successful? Um, so for us, one of the things that we found, because a lot of you guys have touched on it, sensory experiences when they get overstimulated is really what tends to be like the triggering force that then makes something that could be awesome um, absolutely horrible. And then, of course, not everyone in the community is a schooled in terms of being supportive and um, non-judgmental about what they're viewing. And so one of the things that we figured out a long time ago was um, geocaching. Does any, do you guys know what geocaching is? So it's kind of like treasure hunting, but you can do it pretty much like anytime, anywhere. And it's an app you can download on your phone. In the olden days, um, you used to have to have actually a GPS that had the coordinates of longitude and latitude so that you could locate the cache. But it's one of those things where it's like literally there are these little geocache gems hidden everywhere. Um, and you can even be on road trips and you just need to get out of the car because, you know, not it's just not awesome in the car anymore. And you can just like open up the app and then just see where a nearby geocache is and you can just take a little like um, a little detour to try and find it. And the cool thing about it, too, that I have found is, is that when the kids were little, um, it tells you it rates them, number one, on how difficult they are to find. You do not want to do five-star ones when you have kids, especially kids with autism, because, you know, they're not the most patient people. So I shoot for the ones, maybe a 1.5 star. And then also it rates it based off of like the um, terrain. So um, if it's a one, then it's very gentle. They call it handy catchable, which I love that. 
Um, so basically, it's going to be easy for kids. And a lot of times, the people that are hiding these for you will tell you that it's like stroller um, accessible. Or if you stay on this path, like it's going to be the easiest to get to it. And there's always hints. So if you still aren't smart enough like I am, not always that like intuitive when it comes to the clues and what they're telling you, you can have a little hint. But that was something that we could go and do. And for some of the caches, too, they have little toys inside. So you can take something out, and then you can put something in. So literally from an app, I can make a lot of decisions based off of, oh, it's a bigger one, so there's going to be toys and crap in there that we can actually take stuff out of. Um, and then also it gave me a really great motivation for like um, having the kids collect little garbage toys that they didn't want so that that way we could just like, hey, let's go throw some of these suckers and some of these geocaches that we found. And so that was like great for me for a long time. And so that was something where everybody... Everybody liked it. Um, it got us outside. Um, obviously, we could also decide how much traffic there was. We could do it and hike, you know, because you can, like, pick a hiking trail and do it. So it gave us a lot of versatility in terms of how and where to do it. And so that was one of the successful things for us. Um, later on, fishing became something that everybody could do and tolerate. Um, it wasn't always that, well, that way because if Caleb didn't have, you know, instant gratification by you know, snagging a fish. That's why we had to explain to them it's called fishing, not catching, because, like, you don't always <laughs> get a fish. But it's very difficult for Caleb to understand that, at least, you know, early on when he was, you know, he just wants that instant gratification. So um, anyway, so those are some of the things that we have found. We have a bajillion more, but I'm curious what other people are doing for family activities. I'm Amber. I have two kiddos. My youngest is four, and she has sensory processing disorder. My oldest is seven, and she has autism. So needless to say, we've had plenty of meltdown, horrific failure events. But the only thing that keeps everybody happy that we can do as a family, mom, dad, kids, everybody, is surprisingly enough, go to the mall. Because we have the food court. Everybody gets to pick their own food. So we're at four different restaurants. One table, oh, that's good. And then we can go downstairs, and they both like to jump that strappy place where they just get flung in the air for five minutes, and they love it. And so they're both on their own. They have two bouncies, so they're both on their own. They get whatever they want to eat. We go to Baskin Robbins, which is right across the street. They get ice cream, and we get the hell out. But everybody's happy. Dad goes to Barnes & Nobles and looks at books while I you know, do the mom thing. But everybody's happy. It's an hour or less, but it's an outing. So it's not like, you know, and they're screaming already, so it's not like, <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> they're having fun at least. So that's the only activity that keeps four people happy throughout the time. My name's Tanya, and I have two kids. Um, my six-year-old's typical, and I have a nine-year-old with autism. And our the one activity that everyone in my family enjoys, and I'm pretty sure my kids are there right now with my husband, is going to Barnes & Noble. My nine-year-old with autism is an avid reader, loves books. So he goes all the time and tries to find books. And my youngest, who is not as much of a reader, likes to go and get a small Lego set. And then they like to finish it off at the Starbucks getting a cookie and chocolate milk. <laughs> and they could do that every week. And I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing right now. Um, and then the other activity that they both enjoy of my kids is anything to do with water. They both love swimming. So I take them to the Y during the winter when it's too cold to do outdoor pools. And then we do outdoor pools during the summer. And 
they both tremendously enjoy that. And yeah, and I don't have too many horror stories actually. My nine year old's actually fairly easy to take out. His only issue usually is he doesn't want to stay anywhere very long. And sometimes if it costs money, I'm like, I want to get my money's worth out of it. <laughs> so I try to encourage him to stay longer because usually he'll come and then be ready to go home after not a very long time. So. All right, this is Geraldine, and I have two kiddos. Um, my oldest one just turned 12, and he's the one with autism, and I have an almost 11-year-old. Um, I'm also recently divorced, I guess within a couple years, so for past few years, I've really had to navigate going on outings with these two boys, um, with just me and them. So trying to find something that works where I have to do like a zone defense kind of situation with me against them um, is kind of fun. So a lot of my stories are great now. We can go just about anywhere we need to. Like last night we went to the Garland Theater and saw Aladdin and you know, my my son with autism, he didn't really want to be there the whole time, but he stuck it out. And I can't say that for a few years ago. We used to go to the movies and all you could hear or everybody in the theater could hear the entire time was, mom, I'm all done. Mom, I'm all done. Mom, I have to use the bathroom. Because that's his excuse to try to get out of something. Because if you see like a little kid that needs to use the bathroom, are you just gonna let them sit there? No, you're gonna bring them to the bathroom because you don't want them peeing their pants in public. But he learned that real quick. He's like, oh, I just have to say I have to go potty and then I'm out. So last night, when you're at the movie theater, he grabbed my arm and put my arm on like the arm of the chair and he just kind of rested his head. You could tell that he didn't want to be there. He was putting his legs above his head in the seat and he was just kind of <laughs> squirmy. But you know what? He didn't complain about it. He didn't ask to go to the bathroom a hundred times. He actually took a nap during the end of Aladdin. But you know what? We made it through the movie and it was fine. Um, same thing with Silverwood before. You know, he loves roller coasters. He's kind of my thrill-seeking kid. But... He kind of, he's independent, so he wants to go do his own thing all the time, which I really appreciate now as he's getting older because there's things that he can go and do on his own, and I don't have to worry about him so much, even though I still do. Um, but same thing with the Lazy River. We go down the Lazy River, he's like, this is too boring, Mom. I want to go on a water slide or a roller coaster or something. So he just shoots out of the Lazy River. He was in the inner tube, and he just takes off. And of course, we go on a day where there's, you know, one billion people at Silverwood. <laughs> so I can't, like, push through all the people to try to chase him, like, going the other direction, um, you know, against the flow um, on the Lazy River. So I'm like, crap, well, I'm just stuck here, and I have no idea where my child has gone. So eventually, when I get out of the Lazy River, you know, me and my his younger brother, I'm like, okay, Son, you go back to where our stuff is, and you sit there just in case your brother is there. And so I'm trying to get into the mind of my son. I'm like, okay, if I were Elian, where am I going to go? And guess what? I found him. I think that's kind of the mindset you have to have, like especially if you have a child that's a runner, to make sure that you know, okay, what are their favorite things? Because it's it's bound to happen. And he wanted to go to those other little water slides. And I just kind of had to watch until he eventually like shot out of one of them. Because he's <laughs> like, forget this. I want to go do my own thing. This lazy river is boring. So, but now, you know, we went to Silverwood this past summer. No incidents whatsoever. I mean, and that's kind of just taken... Um, it's kind of taken time. Just as he's gotten older, it's gotten better. He complains less. I think he finally came to the realization, like, mom's not going to let me get out of this. I kind of just have to go. 
So even though bowling is not always his favorite thing, or um, and he's a great little hiker too and biker, but you can tell when he's reached his limits for all of these things. Um, but it's it's just gotten so much better. And then before I go anywhere, I just kind of have to think, okay, if I'm him and I lose him, like where is he going to head off to? Just just in case that ever happens again. But yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point is getting into the mindset of your kid. Well, we attempted to do the aquarium when it first opened, and there was like 5,000 people just packed to the walls. And same thing, Aiden goes missing, and I send his older brother out, and I'm like, all right, do a head count. Where are all the kids at? And he's like, I can find everybody but Aiden. And I'm like, okay, where is Aiden going to be? I was like, ah, did anybody check the little hidey hole under the pirate ship? Sure enough, that's, <laughs> that's where, where he's at. Exactly. Next time we go back, oh, no, he's not the pirate ship. I'm like, uh-oh, now we got to find a new hidey hole. Yeah. And it's over by the shark tank in the little cove. Like, they are going to find their little hidey places, and you just have to get into that mindset to be able to track them down to still make it successful for everybody when you get home. Oh, totally. Um, I think I've told this story before, but I don't know if I've told it on the podcast, but, you know, the Isaac Foundation, you know, they, we do the 5K every year. And a couple years ago, my son's like, um, after the 5K, we went to the Red Wagon downtown, and we were just all hanging out there, just, you know, relaxing after the 5K, and um, they go up in the wagon while my son gets down from the wagon and apparently didn't see me because I moved spots from where I was sitting down at the park. Well, he takes off because I couldn't find him. Um, his brother went back up in the wagon and couldn't find him, and... This guy sees me looking around frantically. Are you looking for this little boy? This little boy in like an orange shirt just went running down the street. I'm like, uh, yeah, that's mine. Why didn't you try to stop him? But so I'm like calling 911 as I'm running down the, like, the streets of downtown Spokane. And, you know, the little stinker is so smart. He was running to the parking garage where we were parked. So bless his little heart. I mean, he just, he thought I left him or something. Uh, the red wagon I'm like well I'd never do that sweetie but he's going to where mom would go if I would have left so I mean and thank god he has a great sense of direction but yeah like it doesn't happen anymore I think his um I don't know his want to run away has finally like disappeared so outings are yeah they're a ton better now so if you are having difficulties now yes I mean people can say that but they will absolutely 100% get better Hi, this is Chevy again, and I was just going to talk about um, something successful as an outing that we figured out has been swimming, because my daughter, autism, but also equally sensory processing disorder, so anything deep touch, she's deep sensory, bear hug, she wants all the sensory, and swimming is just like an ultimate sensory for her, so she just wants to be in the water every day, all day, little fish, so we live by Liberty Lake, so we're by a lake, so we try to frequent the lake, though I will say pools are a lot easier because she is contained. I don't have to do the chasing her around <laughs> the entire half loop of Liberty Lake when she decides she's bored. Um, but we have found a lot of success with anything that involves swimming and pools and lakes and anything kind of water related has just been very successful for our whole family. And then even when we have our family come out from the Seattle side, I can, you know, we know a guaranteed family activity with a group that's going to work is going to be swimming or going to the lake or going to Coeur d'Alene Lake or it's all kind of water related because I know that she will be contained and happy um, during that whole kind of experience. And um, I will mention too, as far as you guys mentioning things do get better, my son actually had a soccer game yesterday and um, it was great. She sat with us, she stayed with us, she played on her iPad. 
Um, and I mean, barring a minute of she wanted to run off, it was 100% successful. And I was thinking about it. I was like, a year ago, literally, I was holding her sideways as she was freaking out because she wanted to run onto the field as they were playing to kick the ball because it looked like a lot of fun. Um, but I was just talking to my husband yesterday about how, like, a year ago, we could not have done this. I probably would have just stayed home while you took the boys to the game. So we took that as a very big win yesterday. So it definitely does get better. This is interesting, especially with all of the sensory issues, but Morgan and now all of us, um, she loves loud sporting events. I don't know if it's the white noise or whatever. And uh, we have, you can't get obviously tickets to the Gonzaga men's, but you can get it to the women's. And so what I determined, uh, the Gonzaga women's uh, season's coming up again. This will be our third year in a row. Usually as a sports fan, you're trying to get the best seat in the house. We get the absolute worst in the top upper, upper corners and the upper reaches. But guess what? Nobody else is trying to sit there. So we have our own little isolated pocket there. So if they want to get up, if they want to roam around. And I mean, Morgan's experience at these games, she comes, she sits down, she asks for my phone, she plays Roblox. She has popcorn in the first half. She has dipping Dots in the second half. She pays no attention to the game whatsoever. And then she's like, is it over? Great. Did they win? Cool. Let's go back to the Zags game. Like, yeah. Which is really just, I mean, another spot for her to sit and play Roblox somewhere else other than the house. But you know what? We all have a really good time. Um, also locally here, just, I don't know the rest of you, but restaurants are just deplorable. I mean, we love them, but she can't stand them. It's just sensory overload. And, you know, she wants to get up. She wants to roam around. She can't. There is a... Uh, pizza place on Hauser Lake um, that is fantastic because it's got outdoor seating and they have all these things and rather than your typical restaurant experience it's get up and run around and they have you know uh, goldfish appetizers not the real ones the crackers and they also I mean they have like little pizza dough that they get to play with and so it's like the one restaurant that she has decided that she can go to um and you'd mentioned the movies. I'm sure you guys have seen AMC theaters. If anyone's listening, the sensory-friendly movies. In fact, I mean, they turn the lights up. They turn the sound down. There's no previews. And in fact, she's gotten so used to the movies, it's actually her typical sister that appreciates the sensory-friendly more than she does. Uh, one of the things, though, if it's helpful for anybody who's new at this, like, her response to going to do most things is going to be a resounding no but understand that's the, the immediacy of the situation they're in. I know because you're taking me away from Roblox in my bed. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, but you're coming anyway. No, horrible. And then she gets there and she loves it. But they're going to protest. They're going to say, under no circumstances am I going to go do this thing. But again, that's just because their brain is so locked into the immediate thing that they're doing right now. And so, you know, it takes a little effort, but just remove them from the situation. And potentially you can have a good time or an epic meltdown. Doesn't, you know. So my name is Justin. I, I'm actually new to this whole thing. Um, I married into um, a, a family, a pre-existing family as it is. Um, so my wife has four children, and uh, one of them has autism. And the biggest struggle for me was trying to relate to somebody that I have nothing in common with. Um, and so I've tried everything that I know of as a guy because they're all boys. So it's like, hey, let's go and play sports. He looks at me like I'm crazy. He looks at me like I just, I just spoke Greek to him. He has no... He doesn't care. So I have tickets to the Spokane Chiefs that I buy every year. I've had the same, I've had the same seats for 
eight years, I think, something like that. So I decided, hey, let's go to a hockey game. You got honor roll last quarter. Like, let's do this. His first response was, is it sports? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. I don't want to go. All right, well, let's, I mean, I already have tickets. Like, let's go, let's go just check it out. You've never been to a game. Like, let's try it. Let's see what happens. Let's go from there. So next question is, what kind of food do I get? What kind of snacks do I get? His, his focus is on what's best for him versus what's going to be the overall, overall experience. So, we, so we, after me saying probably 30 times, tomorrow night we're going, tomorrow night we're going, tomorrow night we're going, the reluctant, fine, I'll go, happens, right? So we, we get there, and he walks in. And just sees a ginormous place full of people. His first clue is, or the first thing he says is, this place is packed. Yes, yes it is. Okay, where's the food? Perfect. So we get in line, and he gets, I mean, it, I don't know how many of you guys go to Chiefs games, but there's everything you could think of food-wise. I mean, there's hot dogs, there's pizza, there's Chinese food. I mean, there's burgers. There's everything you can possibly think of that you could ever, ever need or want. So after bouncing between four different places to buy food, because he wanted one thing from one, one thing from another, one thing from another, one thing from another, so he's eating a burger on a, on a plate of rice with chicken strips and a soda, right? We finally get to our seats. And I'm that guy that if I'm going to go somewhere, I want to have good seats, good view, etc. So we're two rows up from the glass. So literally the players are five feet in front of us. Okay, so game starts, and he's looking around, and he's just, he's on sensory overload because there's so many people, so much stuff going on, so much loud, everything. There's people screaming, you know, pucks and sticks, and everything's going crazy. Well, after the first period, he goes, are we done yet? And I'm like, no. I was like, there's still two more periods to go. And he's like, okay, well, um, what other food do I get? So once again, his focus is the food versus like the hockey game itself. So I go take him for more food. I don't, I don't know where he's putting it all, but okay, sure, whatever, it's fine. So by the time the second quarter or the second period rolls around, he's actually kind of paying attention to what's going on. So he leans over and he's like, are we in the white jerseys? Yes, yes, we are. Okay, cool, so we're winning, right? Yes, yes, we are. So he's finally starting to catch on to what's going on. And he has no idea how the game works, but he sees that our score is bigger than theirs. So far, I'll take that as a win so far because he's – Quasi knows what's happening, what's going on. So fast forward to halfway through the second period, okay? He drops a piece of food on the ground, bends down to pick it up, and the puck hits him in the chair. So had he not dropped his food, he would have got a puck to the face. So him not paying attention to what's going on in the game doesn't realize there's a puck coming at him. So he literally reaches down to pick up his food he drops on the ground, and the puck literally hits behind him. So he just, he pops up his head and he's like, that was loud, what happened? And I'm like, you, you almost ate a puck. He's like, what? You almost ate a puck. What do you mean? The pucks come out of there? I was like, yeah, you see all the signs as they watch your flying pucks? He goes, yeah. I was like, that's, that was almost you. So after that, he started like watching and paying attention and the third period rolls around. And finally, he's like, he's sitting upright. He's like looking all around, paying attention, like watching every time the puck goes in the air. Like, he's, he's bouncing all around, like trying to fight. He's like, where'd it go? Where'd it go? And he's watching, like his face is just doing the back and forth thing. And I'm like, all right, cool. He's getting into this. So um, since then, I have tried to relate more to what he wants as far as not just the event itself, but what's in it for him. 
And so now whenever we go out somewhere, it's like, okay, so here's here's where we're going. The food's going to be blah, 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 blah. We're also going to do this, this, and this while we're there. And I found that has helped at least me and because there's three other children as well. So all of us fitting together is things that have kind of a thing for everybody. So, like, we go to the aquarium at the mall as well. Okay, so the aquarium has something for everybody that they can do. So he goes and hides in the in the, the pirate ship little hidey hole thing where he's hiding over in, like, the shark tank area. Well, the younger one's over playing in the water. The oldest one's in the birdcage. Like, they all have their own little area that they can go to. So we can kind of divide and conquer, essentially, because we can take, okay, you take this half of the building, I'll take this half of the building <laughs> kind of a thing. Triangulate. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Kind of triangulate, but kind of divide and conquer and just be like, okay, you take this half, I'll take this half, we'll meet back in 20 minutes, and then we'll, we'll switch kind of a situation. But I've... I've learned in these past couple of years that um, the best thing for him and what he wants to do is to just wants to be included, but then doesn't want to feel like he's secluded in where we are, if that makes any sense. So like he wants to be, he wants to know what's going on. He wants to know what's happening, but doesn't want to have to know what's going on or what's happening. So I've, I've kind of found that if I'm able to kind of put things into perspective for him and put things into a, format he's going to understand and enjoy that makes life easier for all parties that are involved versus just saying hey this is where we're going and this is why we're doing it kind of letting him know what's in it for him versus just this is what's going on and why so does anybody else have any stories to share all right. Well, I appreciate you guys coming and sharing these little gems of wisdom. And like many of the family said, uh, it does get better. Um, once you start doing therapies and um, they start getting more tolerance when it comes to sensory input and then also some ABA services as well, things do start coming in line. And even some of the ch kids that I've seen have the most challenging um, behaviors where families are really locked in the home because it just ends up being the safer option are finding things that they can do. Um, usually at first two, they need more supports um, to come along with them. So to um, be able to just kind of help in those situations when the unexpected happens or the, you know, what we were worried about does happen. But it does, it does get better. So um, just have, have some faith in that. So we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. We will catch you next time. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.